0: Hello spreaders and welcome to The Spread. I'm your host Kaz and this is season
1: four. (laughs) How's everybody
0: hanging on this millionth day of quarantine? I do hope you're staying home and keeping safe and washing your hands and not having sex with people who should not be in your house already. Something I've realized in these past few days is like all of the changes and the way everything is different and the way people are now consuming content. Personally, I used to listen to podcasts in the morning as I was getting ready for work or on my way to the gym or on my way back from the gym. But those things aren't happening anymore, like the going to work and the going to the gym. So I've noticed that the way that I consume that particular content is different, especially with regards to podcasts. So I'm not listening to podcasts as often as I used to. Has this changed for you as well? I wanna know how we can get back into the small habits that we formed for ourselves that were bettering or growing us. Like how can we just get back into the regular schedule of listening to podcasts, for example? I'm thinking of starting an online podcast club, something we can do together on Zoom. You know, I'd really love to hear from you and what your experiences are listening to each episode of The Spread, um, what it's done for you, if there's anything that you've learned. I also am really keen on hearing what other podcasts you listen to, for example. I want to know at what points in the day you're listening to your podcasts or if your consumption of online content has changed, are you watching more than you're listening? Are you listening to other things more now? Let me know if this is something that you're keen on. Hit me up on host at thespreadpodcast.com. That's the email address. Or of course you could just slide into my DM on any of the platforms. You already know I'm at the spread pod across the board. Okay, let's get into our podcast episode. I'm dying to find
1: Pender started
0: pro-ho after her mom gave her her first vibrator of Christmas, which sparked a conversation on the lack of sexual dialogue in black communities. She's hyper-focused on the politics of feeling good and the way women, particularly women of color, can use sex and taboo as positive forces for social change. Enjoy!
1: All I ever is
0: for more of you. When you let me show myself to you, I want more, more, more. So, Penda um, Dae, Is that how we pronounce your name? (laughs) Jai. Okay. Maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and um, if you remember how we met and what brings you here. Who are you? What you do? Why are you here?
2: Yes, of course. So my name is Penda Jai. I am Senegalese American. I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I am the founder of my brand Pro Ho which is a brand that I started after my mom gave me my first vibrator for Christmas. And after she gave me my first vibrator, we had a conversation kind of on the lack of sexual dialogue in black communities. And she said that she wished she would have spoken to her kids about sex at a much younger age, which to me, I was just like, oh my God, this makes so much sense because I basically learned about sex from porn and from like my childhood neighbors. Um, So I just started writing um, in hopes to create a space that felt safe and that other people could share in their own sexual experiences and kind of break down some of the stigmas that plague, you know, Black communities in terms of our sexual liberation. So um, that's kind of my mission through podcasts and through community events with Planned Parenthood, as well as writing. I'm just really interested in how the Black body is political and how we can change the narrative over Black sexuality. So I think you and I met through a mutual friend, shout out to Uzo, um, and he linked us and you were in town. (laughs) Yes, and so... um, (laughs) He linked us over WhatsApp and we just started kind of having this conversation. I think we, you know, played tag a little bit. Sometimes you were in New York and other times, you know, it just the timing didn't didn't work out. So it's only right that now when everything is virtual that we do this (laughs) virtual podcast episode. That's
0: right. And um, I'm so glad that we've finally like, aligned, the stars are finally aligned, and maybe even better yet, better because um, I feel like divine timing is everything. So I'm really glad that we can be here to do this together and we get the opportunity to ask people um, or to answer people's questions about sex and sexuality. Um, I do remember listening to, you to the first ever episode of uh, Perho, Pro ho? Yes, pro ho. Yeah, and you talking about what your relationship with your your like your mother giving you your first vibration I, vibrator. I really I like that. I want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with your parents, being your first generation, right? So what it was like for your parents moving here, and what it was like for you being, I guess, different in the way that you decided to explore your sexuality and and come out as being this sex goddess like what that has been what what kind of like transition that was for you especially just being raised by african parents yeah
2: definitely i think i have a little bit you know different perspective when it comes to being raised by african parents a because my dad is senegalese but my mom is black american like born and raised in america in the south and then in colorado which i grew up in colorado which if you don't know is a very predominantly white state so from the jump i grew up in this kind of progressive household where my father was muslim and my mother christian so i think from the beginning there was this understanding of like we are progressive in our thinkings and accepting you know whatever you feel like is right for you to think and to understand and how you maneuver through the world and through life and so i don't think my dad and I ever spoke about sex like I mean I think that that's pretty common (laughs) whether you're African or American like you don't really have too many conversations with your father if you're a woman and my mom you know kind of has this like joking like lighthearted manner. So I think if I ever asked her about sex, she probably would have been really open about it, but she just never brought it up. So when she gave me this vibrator pretty late in life, I was like 26, 27. Um, I just was, I was really surprised, but I think it kind of came as a dig because she was like, are you dating anyone? And I was like, no, I'm single. She's like, okay, well girl, like at least tell me you're taking care of yourself in other ways. And I was just like, uh... Uh, sort of like my, using my fingers, which like now I'm just like no, sis, we gotta fingers, ain't it? <laughs> but um, so then she gave me the vibrator, and <laughs> it's just funny because after she gave me the vibrator and it got, I, it came in the mail, and so I sent her a picture. I was like, oh my god, it's here! And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like I bought it for you, but I don't need to know the details. I don't want to know what it looks like. I don't want to know when you're using it. Like <laughs> she was just like, okay, you know, too much information. So I think now we're we're so much more open about sex. Um, um, you know, she would give me advice kind of like one of my first boyfriends, he like had a hard time keeping it up and, and being hard all the time. So she would say, you know, I, you just got to move on. Like, it's not worth it. You're too young to be having bad sex. Like if it's not working, just like get out of there. So I think she would always kind of give me that type of advice. Like men should just like fawn over you or like whoever you're with, whichever partners that you're with, it should just be this adoration, um, and admiration and never like settle or, feel like you know you have to fight for it it should just be easy and sex should be fun and amazing and great so um you know I think she's really open now she sends a lot of articles and is is always kind of interested in you know going deeper with with sexuality and our and our relationship mm-hmm. around sex
0: I like that um I I kind of had it really different from a lot of my friends especially considering the fact that I was born and raised and spent most of my life in Kenya um my parents were actually very liberal and my mother and I were having conversations about sex when I was uh I think I had my first sex conversation with my mom when I was 11 and um I started dating people when I was really young I started dating young and I guess that's why my mom needed to have the conversation with me because she was just like my baby girl <laughs> um so and it, my mom's sex advice was actually the best because she said to me that She's um, I had a boyfriend who was much older than me when I was when I was 11, 12 years old. And uh, I mean, my family were cool ish for the most part about it. But then when I did have the conversation with my mom, her first question to me was she asked me if I was having sex with him and I said no. And then she was like, well, you know, if you do decide to have sex, I just want you to keep in mind um, two things. One, sex for the first time will be painful, is what she said. And then she said that the ugliest thing in the world is a naked man with socks on.
2: (laughs) That is so true. Or boxers. I've done that. I've had sex before with a man with like boxers on where he just kind of like slid it out of that front slip. And I was like this feels wrong. This feels wrong. (laughs)
0: Wow. I mean, it's uh, if he's wearing boxes, it's not so hard to pull them down. Just like pull them down. Like it makes no sense. It really makes no sense. So like you're inside of me,
2: yet you can't like be completely naked with me. It's very strange.
0: Oh, do you think it was an insecurity thing?
2: Yeah, I think so. For sure. I'm not sure why. Like maybe he was hairy down there and felt insecure about that or some other qualm that he was experiencing because i just can't understand any other reason why you would like act (laughs) like (laughs) purposefully keep them on during sex
0: yeah um what is some what how would you describe your sexuality and how do you like maneuver around the world i guess like sexually
2: yeah i think that you know it's funny because one of my friends he was just like, you know, you have this energy, like when you walk into a party, like you're subtle and you're kind of like low key, but like there's this sexual radiance that comes off of your skin. And I'm like, yes, I've, I'm winning. Like that is like my entire life goal is like to be so subtly like sexual. And so I think that's how I like kind of maneuver on the world It's like it kind of reeks from my pores, but in a way that's just like I'm very confident about who I am, about my sexuality, about who I engage with sexually, how I get down. Um, I am... I engage sexually with men. I'm heterosexual. I'm straight. um, But I appreciate women so much. I do engage in lesbian porn from time to time. I love just seeing beautiful women. I'm, I'm, you know, especially in New York City, like you see so many beautiful people all the time that I think it's kind of hard to like have this lens on where you're just like, okay, you know, men, men, men. Like, I don't think that linearly. And I believe that everyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I believe that. You know, everyone exists on a spectrum. So I think I practice, you know, being heterosexual and straight, but I think I'm on the spectrum where it's like, yeah, I could, I could get down with with some some women. I can appreciate beauty. Um, so I yeah, it's it's interesting because I did um a live with Afropunk a couple of weeks ago and my when my ex-boyfriend was watching it and afterwards he's like, oh, you, you, you always are preaching like this whole life, but you're not a hoe. Like, I feel like I hoe more than, I know more hoes than you. And I was just like, okay, like probably, maybe, probably, but I'm like, my definition. Didn't know it was a competition. Exactly. I didn't know. I didn't know there were whole competitions out here, but also (laughs) I'm like, my definition of like, hoe, the whole thing is like, just do whatever you want. If you want to be out here sleeping with as many people as you want. I support that. I've been there. I've done that. That's not exactly the phase that I'm in my life right now. But the whole thing is do whatever feels sexually right to you, whatever sexual desires feel true to you, live those out. So that's kind of like my motto is like I do what I want, when I want, with whom I want and feel like I'm finally at a place now where I can communicate sexual desires and I feel no shame about them. Um, and I, no regrets, no sexual regrets. Whereas I think when I was younger, I was kind of like, oh, is this person going to tell so and so that we had sex? Or like, should I ask him to eat my pussy? And now I'm just like, nope, this is what you're doing. Move the head down. <laughs> A
0: yeah. little bit
2: more sure of myself. Um, but what about you? That's, like, how is uh, it? Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. But wh- how is it for you in, in Kenya? What is, what is navigating sexuality like in Africa?
0: Ooh, different. Uh, for starters, I identify as queer, so I'm mm, pansexual, I think is the word that disc, um, that describes me, like closest. I don't discriminate against any gender, any gendered people, and I'm happy to date um, anyone as long as we get along. And I'm happy to sleep with anybody as long as they're good people kind. I'm, I'm actually trying to find Good people to sleep with because I've had my fair share of um, fuck boys, so to speak, like across genders, actually, <laughs> right? And it's just like like at what point do you begin to trust your instinct be um so one of the things that i wanted to do more intentionally this year was just to to be able to find people that were like-minded that understood um different aspects of sex and sexuality that understood um bdsm and kink which is such an important facet of my life and that i didn't have to get into um situations where I needed to explain myself so much and and explain just because I understand that we are actually still the minority so you know sexually liberated persons are are so we're a small number of people and it's a lot of people consider who we are such a taboo and I mean there's a lot of slut shaming that's happening so being able to find like-minded people already the pool is so small and then uh, being able to then find some, I mean, I, I, I boxed myself into a corner so small that it's so hard to find people. (laughs) It's, it's just get, it gets harder and harder to be able to find people to date or to sleep with or, and then when you do, it's just like, it's been six months since I've had sex. I think I'll fuck you anyway. (laughs) Yes. Uh, No,
2: I feel that way. Exactly. It's like, At which point you just kind of give in and you're like, okay, I just need some sex. So like, I'm just going to have to sacrifice like... Everything that I've worked for these last six months, for just for some, you know, human touch and interaction, for real. But I agree with you so much, and like the pool just gets so much smaller. And I still think that there are a lot of people who are small-minded when it comes to BDSM or kink or you know, experimenting. Like I had someone on my show two weeks ago ask, like, okay, well, what really is a sub and a dom? And it just kind of highlighted, like, wow, we still have like a long way to go in terms of like really understanding like non. quote unquote, non-normative sexual behaviors. Um, So I think it's always kind of like a difficult subject to breach with new partners. You kind of like want to feel it out and like not scare, not like scare someone off, but you're kind of like, this is what I'm into. Like, are you into this? Are you, are you into learning? Are you down to explore? Like I had a partner once who would send me like small clips of like porn videos and be like, oh, I can't wait to do this to you next time I see you. And, and I thought that that was kind of genius because it kind of opened the door for us to, you know, share things that we were maybe that intrigued us or that we wanted to try and could kind of like, you know, shoot it over in like a, a porn video and kind of gauge like people's comfortability and, and try out new ideas.
0: Yeah. So that was good.
2: But yeah, it's getting. It's tough. It's tough out here to find like your equally yoked sexual partner. Yeah.
0: And then actually, even just to add on to that, being in a country that is that is very conservative, that is very religious. um, And already the people that are being raised are being raised like a lot of the people who are my generation, my age, have been raised with that sort of like that um, colonized patriarchal background. You know, all of our parents are deeply colonized, even without knowing it. And um, very patriarchal, very a woman must, a woman must sort of like conversations is what, you know, like you're 30, I'm 36, you're 36 and you're not married yet. I mean, people don't ask me anymore because people are a lot more aware of my sexuality now because I'm so much more open about it. So I don't like when I go to family functions, I don't get asked about marriage, but I wait. I wait for the question because they know because I don't shut my mouth and just like ask me, ask me when I'm getting married so that I can tell you when it's legal. (laughs) <laughs> and then we can have that conversation I think my mom has stopped asking me at this point like yeah. she,
2: I mean I think she's hopeful like she and and for me it's like I want that as well and I want to have kids and all of these things but at the same time like I just will not settle so it's like until that relationship <laughs> comes to life like i i don't really have an answer for you and i'm not going to like you know force it and then i have my sister who's 9 years older and she's like you know just have a baby it's okay don't worry like the family will all help you will all pitch in and i'm just like that's not <laughs> that's not how that's some bullshit. i want this to happen that's some <laughs> bullshit exactly like just cuz you want a niece or a nephew like i don't understand how that affects my timeline so yeah i i think family always is going to chime in your community's going to chime in and you know i definitely have dated people who feel Who maybe don't outright say it, but who I know are intimidated that I'm so open about sex and talking about sex and sexuality. And I'm just like, well, until there's a person that gets it and understands it and isn't um, intimidated by it, then I'm just going to be having sex with people that I enjoy.
0: Whoever the fuck I want have you found that the more that you get into the work of like writing about sexuality and now um, podcasting about it, do you find that you're having less sex? Oh, a thousand percent. Like, I feel like I used to be, I don't know, I was way more active.
2: And I don't know, I don't know if it's like the work that I'm doing in terms of just like learning about sexuality and the podcasting and like being more vocal and getting more exposure about it. Or if it's just that my standards (laughs) have like raised. So it's just like, The Or maybe, yeah, maybe it's like my energy is just different. So I'm attracting different people, less people, coincidentally. But um yeah, I'm definitely having less sex. I think in the wintertime in New York anyways, like I wasn't like booed up. So it's kind of like hard to go out and like meet people. And then my previous sexual partners, I just like wasn't feeling it anymore. So hopefully if we're out of this quarantine by summertime here, I'll get more... (laughs) More dick, but it's been slow. It's been a slow season. I don't know about you. Do you feel that way? Like the more you talk about it, the less sex you have,
0: which is kind of interesting, I think. Absolutely. I've been I've been doing this work for four years now. And I think that in, I've had the least amount of sex in the last four years in my like, life. Okay, but why? Like, why is that? I think it's because the more that I learn about myself and the more that i'm able to explore uh different aspects of sexuality the more that the box becomes smaller the dating pool becomes smaller and also just the more that i no longer want people who are not worthy is the term i'm going to use in my very very intimate and vulnerable space and i'm very very vulnerable when i when i myself i really do like i i'm one of those people that wears my heart on my sleeve i'm an empath i just I, i'm so fully committed to everything so by the time i'm having sex with somebody i've already like you know i've i've really just like dug deep into my the vulnerable part of me and now more than ever i just don't want to give that part of me to anybody unless i know that there is going to be some sort of recipro- reciprocity Oh, definitely. And that's what
2: I was speaking on a little bit about, like the energy is like, I just think my standards and my energy and like self-worth also, it's like, it's just on a, it's so different than two, three years ago when I was just kind of more in this this phase of like, ooh, if you like me, I like you back. And now like, now I'm just way more particular about who I allow into that space and finding, you know, just that I can choose I can choose who I allow into that space. I don't have to just accept who wants to be in my space. And I think that's the the part that I was, you know, that's changed after learning and and growing in my sexuality. It's like, wow, sex is definitely a mutual experience so like in no way now am i passive in the way that i receive sex um or the people that you know kind of i don't know if you've had people who kind of just like force themselves into your life you're like oh okay so (laughs) guess we're dating (laughs) like i think i'm more just like I'm more particular I'm like whoa like you know let I get to be in control of who I allow in my space who I allow sexually into my space mentally intellectually and it's just like my standards have increased and my self-worth and that affects like the amount of people like you said it's a smaller pool of people that I feel who are worthy to enjoy all of this goddessness speak on it (laughs) yes speak on it Oh, I was going to ask you quickly, because um, last week we spoke a little bit about like number of sexual partners. And if you thought that was an important thing to expose to your partner, um, like, would you ask or like, does that number have any, any, you know, mirrored or implication that you're promiscuous or does it mean that you're just exploring sex but I was talking about how I dated someone who asked me how many people I had sex with and so I went home and like you know started thinking about it whatever came back with a number and which I actually like lowered that number out of like shame that I was going to be judged on that number so I actually was like you know let me like knock a few of these people off but and after I shared that number then I asked him and he wouldn't tell me his number of sexual partners. So I just thought it was so hypocritical and it really made me think about like, so what does that number signify? Um, So I wanted to know what you thought, if that's ever happened to you, has someone asked you the number of people you've slept with and are you open about it? Are you honest about it? Or dear, are you just like, this is none of your business?
0: I've been in a situation where I'm, it was many years ago and I met this guy in a club and we kind of like hit it off and started having conversation and we had like such chemistry, we had so much in common. Um, he was a little bit younger than me, maybe like one or two years younger than me, which is unusual for me to, to have a spark with somebody who's younger than me, generally. And uh, we started to have conversations about, um, I always have, like sex always comes up and he asked me what my body count was. And um, I was just like, I don't know. But first I was like, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I've never thought to to count it. And um, then I, I well, actually, to be honest, I had, I, ha- I knew how many people that I had slept with and the number then was already high. So... <laughs> So he's like, and he was just like, no. And, you know, we had like such mad chemistry, but he was like, yo, no, like no judgment here. Like, yeah. So, you know, I really thought he meant no judgment. So when I gave him the number, he was like, oh, damn.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a lot of people.
0: (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, um, but that's just And then it's the way he responded. He really shamed me. Um, just be- and I was I thought that was so fucked up because it's not it's not anything that I thought to ask back because I don't I don't necessarily care I think the only thing that might what, that might concern me about anybody's body count is that I like to think that the more people you slept with and the more experience you have maybe so the higher the body count the better. <laughs> Hopefully, but, like, but I uh, feel like that isn't also, always true. Yeah. Of course it's not. But like, uh, that's, that's the only way that I would wrap my, my mind around having that conversation. Otherwise I, I don't know if I could be with anybody who would ask me how many people I've slept with. For me, that would be a red flag. If you ask me my number, then I'm just like, that's, you're a little too immature for me. This space is not for you. Exactly. Because it's, it's just, did you ask him? No. Well, he asked me first or did I ask him
2: why he wanted to know?
0: Did, no, did you ask him back?
2: Yeah, I asked him back, and he wouldn't tell me. He was just like, "Oh, it's it's a lot more than your number," and I was like, "Okay, but just let me know then." And he wouldn't tell me, so I was just so that's what made the whole situation to me so ridiculous because I was like, "So what was the point of you asking me mine? Like, is it so that you can make sure it's less than yours? Are like what kind of value are you placing on me based on this number?" Like, it was just really interesting the fact that like he asked me, but then couldn't be open and reciprocate. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe my lower quote unquote lower number somehow like reverse shamed him into not telling his. But I don't know. It was it was really interesting. And so after that, I was just kind of like, yeah, like so this relationship, how can it I mean, first of all, it wasn't built on trust to begin with because I lied about my number, let's be honest. And then but then also Mm. he couldn't be open with me regardless about his number so the the whole thing was just not set up on trust from (laughs) from the the beginning Mm. there was no honesty how long did that
0: relationship last
2: it lasted like three months and we're still which is so Mm. short like three months we're still in um communication like we're still cool we're we're friendly he lives not far from me so you know we've seen each other since then but it's just like you know once you don't have that honesty or trust it's, it's really difficult to bring it back to like you know, ramp yourself up to like, <laughs> try again. It's just like, you know, it didn't work out the first time for whatever reasons. Um, But yeah, I thought that was interesting. And, and I think it's just, it goes back to a lot of things of, you know, placing this ownership and value over women. And that number doesn't mean anything. And it's, you know, yeah, it's a myth. It really All of is. that shit yeah. is just like, just so same, outdated. just like virginity, a myth doesn't doesn't even
0: and when people holding so much value it's just it's it's all very um it's just it's bullshit exactly (laughs) but
2: how did how did you build like i feel like you like i look on your social media and i see like how much engagement you have and it's so beautiful to see and i i just wonder like what that process was like for you like when did you decide? Cuz I think you you asked me this in the beginning, but we didn't talk about you. When did you decide that you were like this was your purpose was to talk about sex, talk about sexuality? And then how did you grow your audience? Like how did you how did people in your community like also just find out about you and decide that like you were speaking their truths and that you were someone who was who they needed to follow and learn from?
0: Well, I think I've always been this openly sexual person and I definitely give thanks to the house that I grew up in my whole family my whole entire family is really just I'm honestly I feel like I'm a unicorn in Kenya I have the most beautiful Family, like, very open-minded, non-judgmental. If they do, they don't bring that shit around me. Um, if they do, then I'm just, like, I'm quick to respond. So people kind of, I've, I've always been, my whole entire life as a kid, I was always the one, you know, I was the one that talked back. I was the naughty kid. I was the, I was just, I was just raised to be myself. My, both my parents allowed me to just be whoever I wanted to be. And, you know, I was a musician Um, I started um, singing when I was 14 years old like publicly and so I built my um, career as an entertainer for so many years and I've always been on platforms where I spoke openly but then I spoke openly about sex as well I write a lot of music about sex and sexuality and just like one night stands and last night he made me come and like (laughs) um which is a dope song (laughs) and um I just and I guess because of that, i I've just realized when I started coming into myself and um, expressing myself as queer and you know learning more about it and trying to find people because I felt like such a is the word anomaly? I think I'm using the word correctly. Yes, you and are. I really wanted to find. <laughs> I wanted to find people who were like me, and I hated the fact that there was nobody. There's no one in my space. If there's no one in Kenya, and I couldn't find anyone on the continent who was doing things that were similar, so I started like scurrying the internet, looking for people, black women specifically, who were doing things that I wanted to do, and just have open conversations with young people about sex and sexuality to rid them of the shame that they're uh, accustomed to at home so that they're able to live their best lives. Because I feel like once you're able to tap into that part of you, like um, once you're able to be open about your sexuality, then a lot of other things sort of flourish i find but like once you're honest about that thing that you were raised to have shame about then everything else in your life just becomes a like okay look i'm not gonna let you fuck with me because i already know who i am <laughs> you know what i mean i'm not gonna let the patriarchy bring me down and then that was it i was just like okay i think this is it i think because there is not that person i think i need to create some something i need to create something for people to talk because also just a lot of the the people are so gullible and a lot of the like WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups and stuff that people are listening to and subscribing to sexually is just some bullshit so many women are listening to anything they'll be told anything and they'll do it you know <laughs> exactly um, there's groups you know there was the thing where you put the like to make him to for a man to enjoy to have like the best blow job you put a mint in your mouth or something and suck his dick there's that and then a whole ton of Women are subscribing to that. Like, actually, it's just like a throat lozenge. I think it was It's a throat lozenge. And so many women are doing it. Then everybody, you pass this shit. So, so much misinformation is being passed um, because we have so much access to, like, different forms of, like, social media platforms. And I was just like, I need to create something where people are learning about sexuality in a more healthy and nuanced way. Because we can't, we can't have people doing really unhealthy things to their vaginas and people doing really unhealthy things to their penises and just, uh, we can't, no, not on my watch. <laughs> we can't, <laughs> And that's exactly. how I started. I, I'm with that. I love that. That's amazing. And I
2: think that that's so true when you talk about like the misinformation or even just like lack of information, because I think in the U.S., like, I don't know if in Kenya, we have sex education, like at a fairly, like maybe like junior high school, like like 13, 12, 13 kind of age, you probably start talking about sex and like maybe even younger because you're going to get your women start menstruating before that. So like all of that education comes into play in our schools, but we don't ever talk about like sexual desire and, or pleasure. And I think that's kind of where we go wrong. It's like we're always taught that sex is only used for like reproductive rights or like for this sacred union, which goes back to like virginity and all of that bullshit that you were saying. It's like it's, it doesn't make any sense, but I think if we were to start talking about sex in that way then like as adults we wouldn't have to refer to like this like weird like incorrect information that just is out there that people are like trying to trying to say is like how you can have better sex or because it really comes from within you and i think like you said like once i tapped into like my sexual power i was like oh shit, yeah no anything else that doesn't adhere to that kind of like energy or um like knowing of oneself like if you're not aware of your own sexuality or your own desires or needs like i just feel kind of like We're just imbalanced and like, you know, I'm open to always like growing and learning and sharing with the person. But like you have to at least be on like the base level of like just open mindedness, Um, you know, like like that's that's the minimum that that we need. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so we're going to get into some of these questions that I received on Instagram, if you don't mind um, chiming in. I'm going to start with. I believe this. Actually, I'm not entirely sure what the gender of this person is. But they ask, can wanting sex all the time mean that you're addicted?
2: I don't think so. I think I want sex all the time. I just can manage it in ways that seem... To fit into societal norms of how your day should function, um, if that makes any sense. Like, I think I would. A lot of us would be having sex more often. But if you have to subscribe to working a nine to five job or commuting, like obviously you you train yourself not to like sneak into the bathroom at work and like masturbate. But I mean, I've done it. I've been there, done it before. Um, but mm-hmm. I <laughs> I don't think that it means that you're addicted if um if it doesn't cloud like all of your thoughts, um, and the way that you, you know, maneuver through your life and through your day. But I think, um, it's, it's healthy. I think it's completely healthy. Um, and I don't think it means you're an addict unless, like I said, it becomes, it starts to prohibit you from, from other activities that you need to accomplish during your day.
0: What do you think? Um, I completely agree with you. I, cause I was just thinking like, like I sometimes want cupcakes every day, but <laughs> that doesn't make me an addict <laughs> to cupcakes. But I think I think the the people are really are not aware of what an addiction actually is and by the time if you're asking if you're an addict, then you're not because when you do have the addiction it really ruins your life and you know that it's a problem and you know that it's something you need to stop. So if you're having um, unprotected sex, you're not keeping yourself safe, you're having you having drunken sex or high sex with anybody, um, you're not going to work because you're going to the bar to have sex or whatever, you know what I mean? If it's like ruining your life and you're not able to function normally, then it's an addiction. But um, I think your thoughts... Your thoughts, uh, it happens, and it it also comes in phases. I think about sex all the fucking time, too. But I am able to work, and that's helpful. I'm able to distract myself. Also because considering the fact that I don't have sex as often, so, I mean, I keep myself busy, I work out, and I work. (laughs) I think those are the two things that
2: I'm able to do. I feel that same way. It's like I think about sex all the time. It's just like acting on the impulse. And to your point, I think it kind of does true addicts like a disservice if if you think that you know you have an addiction if it's not like you said ruining your life because there are people out there who are actually addicts with other substances and it is there's a clear defining line of what addiction looks like um but yes i think about sex often a lot and i mean these days it's more so masturbation or it's like thinking of it in a way of like I don't feel like my best self or I'm like low energy. And I'm like, oh, you haven't come today. Silly, silly girl. That's why you feel not like yourself. Let's go do that. That's why so you're yeah, so, I think, That's why you're so angry. <laughs> that's why you're so angry. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think more so now, those are the ways I think about sex and like how, how does, how do I use sex to take care of myself, like mentally, physically, all of that stuff, as opposed to like, I need to go out and like find it or have some like, Get it like mm-hmm. it's just changed like my needs have
0: slightly changed um a bit of a segue con- uh question for you how were you able to release shame around masturbation for yourself yeah I think you know when I first started
2: masturbating I would um use my family's dial-up computer, like, huge desktop computer that we had. We only had one in our living room, and I remember I would have this sweet spot after school from, like, you know, 4 to 5 p.m. before my dad came home from work, where I could, like, watch porn on the computer, but, like, in those days you're, you're nervous that you're going to get like a virus. Like I was always like, oh my God, like there's going to be a pop-up virus one day. My dad's going to be on the computer and see this like porn ad. But, um, Mm -hmm. so I would always kind of masturbate at first, like just using my hands and like clitoral stimulation and like, just kind of like sneak in these masturbation moments, um, before my dad would come home from school. And I would always feel afterwards, kind of like I had this weird thing in my head that was kind of like, oh God, God is judging me right now for like doing this. Like that was always like part of my shame, I think was religious shame. And, um, you know, this was still at the age where my mom was still kind of like weirdly using church as like leverage for, you know, she'd say like, well, if you want to go out Saturday night, you have to go to church on Sunday. And I was like, okay, well, that literally makes no sense. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) That was how I was raised. My mother did that. To me same. She would allow me to go out but then my thing was that I had to go to church. And the worst part about it is that she didn't go to church, but she made sure that I did.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, what? She didn't go? That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> she I didn't, like
0: no. she didn't But she'd she wake me go. up in the morning. <laughs> yeah.
2: No. I I can't even with that. So like it was just this weird. I just like didn't understand how those two things were like related. I was like, "Well, what does church have to do with going out?" Like it was just so strange. So I think in this part of my life, I was kind of at, like thinking more so about like religion and how does that, you know, affect my sexuality and and uh, masturbation. So, um but you know, afterwards, after a while, I just was kind of like, "You know what? Like these are my desires. I really can't block them out and, you know, I don't believe that God is like putting any extra shame on me for enjoying myself, my body, um, Mm -hmm. however I please. So I think just like after continued sex and masturbation and learning about my body and really just like being able to accept, I think sometimes we shut, we shut out, you know, our desires, right? Like you, we said about like the addiction, like we, we always are wanting to have sex, but you learn because of society to kind of quiet quiet down those thoughts. So after a while, I just started thinking like, I'm going to quiet these thoughts and really just hone in on how I feel, what feels good, when I want to feel good. And yeah, I think over time, that's just really what happened. I can't really pinpoint like an exact moment where I felt like, okay, you know, I'm going to release this shame with masturbation. I think just the more I did it and the more power that I found after coming, I was like, oh yeah, no, like I deserve, <laughs> I deserve this. these moments for real. And it was really the only way that I could learn about myself in, in order to of communicate course. my sexual needs to others was through masturbation. So I was like, well, if sex is going to be amazing and euphoric, yeah, I got to start with masturbation. So how old were you? When I first started masturbating? Yeah. I think probably around 13, 14. Wow. But early or late? That's
0: <laughs> well, I think I also I mean, it's had your really... timing, your divine yeah. timing.
2: Yes, exactly. Neither early nor late. But I think I also had really sexually active neighbors. Like I lived on a block where, like, there were probably six or seven kids. We were all around the same age, mix of like girls and boys. So it's like a lot of my first sexual experiences were like dry humping with one of my neighbors, of or like. Him being like, you know, like, let me just like touch you down there. Like, we can just see how it feels. So, like, a lot of that kind of like, like, play, like edging, like a little bit of touch, but not going all the way. So, I think with those circumstances, it just prompted me to like do more exploration on my own, but not quite being ready to engage sexually with like, another person all the way fully so it's like that's kind of what tipped me i think into like the exploration was having other friends who were sexually active around the same age and kind of teetering between like touching and what feels good but not Mm. full okay intercourse
0: my sexual debut was when i was 14
2: i mean like you said in your divine timing so i wasn't (laughs) late it was right on time there you go but (laughs) considering the person that i am now you would think that i would have had sex at a much younger age Um, but yeah, I think, and it was, it was interesting because I went away to college and I was still a virgin and I had one friend, she was my best friend and she was a little bit older. She had a kid like in high school. So she was like way, you know, way more experienced in that realm. And every summer I would come home from the first two summers, I would come home from college and she's like are you still a virgin I was like yeah she's like yes okay don't don't give it up to anyone unless you know like just putting all of this extra pressure on on this concept of virginity and so um I remember like when I did and I came home she's just like oh my god like you did like who was it and I was like it wasn't it literally wasn't even a special human at all to me in my life or anything but it was just so interesting that you know like you said about those virginity values, like there was mm. it was something to be held on to tightly, like every time I knew she was gonna ask me. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of foreplay leading up to that like 20th year of my life where I decided to go for it.
1: Our
0: podcast of the week. Is Africana. Join your favorite girl children, Nomusa and Adidana, for their take on being a diaspora squared on the continent. Topics to look out for current events, Africa's tech space, development tropes, boss ladies, dating, and of course, Beyoncé. The Africana Podcast is published on SoundCloud iTunes and Stitcher and there is a direct link in the description box below. Please be sure to tune in and listen. Now back to our podcast episode. You don't know me Good for you. I'm proud of you. It's made you who you are today. So whenever it was going to come, it came. (laughs) And I'd like to think sometimes that if I had waited, I mean, I I didn't start to enjoy sex until so much later in my life. So I was literally having wasted sex for a very long time. So if I had waited, (laughs) if I had waited, um... Uh, to, because to be completely honest, I didn't enjoy any of it. I didn't enjoy any of it in my teens. I didn't enjoy, I don't, did enjoy most of it for my 20s. And I only just have recently come to myself and started enjoying all of the different aspects of my sexuality and sex with other people. So, I mean, I, I admire it. Well, thank you. I mean, I think even still.
2: It was like in my 20s, like I really didn't start having great sex until I was like in a relationship with someone and it was like consistently having sex and just like knowing that person's body. But all of those like one, two, three off times with like casual partners, I was just like, unless like you have a really big dick and just like happen to be good at sex, I feel like everything was still just kind of mediocre.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So... Um, so our next question is actually, I feel like we, uh, we're in the topic and somebody asked how much is too much. Is there a limit to self-pleasure? So I think the question is about masturbation and they're probably wondering if they masturbate too much. There's, there's never a limit to masturbation. I will,
2: I will have that on my tombstone on my grave masturbate as much as you want whenever you want (laughs) there's never too much masturbation like true like and honestly I have friends who don't masturbate but then also like don't orgasm during sex I'm just like do you see the do you see like if you were just masturbate I swear I promise you I think your orgasms would come because you just have you have to know your body you have to know yourself like like it's so important. I can't even stress it enough. Like masturbation is the key to just having powerful sex. I believe it truly.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you. Even though um, there have been a few studies about um, different ways in which people achieve like um, their orgasms, uh, like people who watch porn and masturbate and orgasm it's it's, a lot of it is targeted towards um cis men and how like porn can be an addiction or how that kind of masturbation can be an addiction because of how it affects your dopamine levels so i actually have a video out on that um that's also coming out soon so I think it's a it, it might be a thin line to the how much and I think that a lot of people could be addicted to uh, I think a lot of it is a, is associated with porn more than it is the act of masturbating because then sometimes people find that they can't orgasm in any other way other than when they're masturbating and watching porn. And sometimes it can affect your daily lifestyle. Yeah, Yeah. word. I think so. I think a lot of people use porn for
2: masturbation, obviously. But then if you can't kind of disconnect, like, disassociate, like, masturbation and and coming with porn, then, yeah, I do think it's going to have some probably negative effects on, like, when you're actually interacting with, like, a real person. Mm. And I think, you know, you have to kind of read... Retrain your brain to think about masturbation, maybe in terms of like intimacy with yourself or like fantasies with other people without the use of porn, because, you know, at, it is stimulating you in a yeah. different way than a real person would. So, you know, I don't know, have you found that during like, after, like you masturbate, say you masturbate to porn, do you feel like your orgasms are different or it takes like, a different strategy for you to orgasm with a partner?
0: I've had um, moments in my life where those things have happened where, uh, for example, I've masturbated a lot, like maybe for like a few months, it's just been like excessive and too watching porn that it sometimes does affect my intimacy with a, with a partner. Um, and I do, I have had moments where I'm just like not interested in watching porn and I'll just masturbate normally with the absence yeah, of porn not normally but with the absence of porn and um and yeah i think i have noticed that um it affects um it, it has i think it depends on how much i'm doing it because if i'm doing it like so once a day with porn i don't consider to be a lot but if i'm doing it every day 10 times in the day watching porn and i can't please myself without having like access to porn then then that's a problem. And it will definitely affect everything in in my life, you know. It'll affect it, I mean even just like the guilt that's associated with it because by the 10th time that you're coming and you're just like what the fuck am I doing? Like my clit is numb. It can't numb. feel anything. Like you're exactly. pretty much digging your vibrator yes. into oh your clit God. so that you can feel something. Yes.
2: <laughs> For real. Or like at the point where like have you like You can rate like I rate my orgasms. I'm like, okay, if this is on a scale of like one to ten, by that tenth time that you're masturbating, the orgasm like isn't even great. Like it's, it's, I'm not even really wet. It's just like like a half. It's It's like not even a half. It's like a fraction. I'm just like, (laughs) was that worth it? Was it really worth it? Like it wasn't. Like I, I need like the juicy orgasms, like where basically like you know, toes scrunched on the bed. Um, but yes. by, the, by like the 10th yes. time, I'm just like, shit, I just rubbed out like some dry ass orgasm that I'm just like, my hand is cramped because it's just working so hard to like <laughs> to
0: <laughs> make, <laughs> to hold the, the vibration. Vi- the clit is vibrating by itself.
2: Exactly. <laughs> it's Taking on like, the shape of it. <laughs> I'm like, sis, I just wasn't, it wasn't worth it. Just like, close, you know, close the legs, close the porn. And just like, let yourself just re regroup, you know? So, ugh, yeah, I'm not with those like, yeah, I've,
0: I've, I've damaged my pussy masturbating before. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> like, you know, like swollen and yeah, it's been a hot mess. I think I think I believe it's it's like a rite of passage it is it's a rite
2: of passage and I feel honestly before I was totally like self-sufficient in terms of getting wet which like I still am I'm like always typically very wet um but like introducing lube into my masturbation practice really has Mm. just been a game changer like a thousand percent
0: thanks for the tip I actually don't use lube when I masturbate I have like maybe once or twice and it's because, uh, one of my partners introduced me to this, um, THC CBD lube and I wanted to test to see if it worked, which it doesn't, but I, yeah, that's the only time that I use lube to masturbate. Otherwise Ooh. if my pussy's not wet, then we're, gonna, we're doing it dry. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. I feel that, but I have this, um, when I, I have one vibrator that I love that's like a rabbit and like G-Spot, it has the G-Spot vibrator as well as a clitoral vibrator, uh, you know, attached. And it also has this heating, um, you know, setting where you can like, it warms up. So it feels like more like a human penis, which is amazing. And so with that one, it's like, I typically don't use lube because I'm like, I don't know. Just even if I like vibrate and put it in there, it's really it's it's takes care of itself. But then I have another vibrator that's just a clitoral vibrator, and with that one, it's like if you just put it on like dry against a dry clit, it's kind of like you know it needs like a little just a little lube on the on the tip or on the clit just to warm it up a little bit.
0: I generally don't enjoy uh, penetration with with toys. You know, so someone else said that. I'm I'm always doing things clitorally. Yeah. Someone else said that to me
2: and I was, I was curious because I feel like that was the first, that was the first vibrator that the one that my mom gave me (laughs) was a rabbit. So I think I've just always been like used to penetrative orgasm or masturbation. And I feel like I've noticed like different times in my mood where there are definitely days where I'm like, oh, like I need penetration. And there are other days where I'm like, oh, like I just want like my clit licked or, or, you know, fed. So it's just kind of like, I, I feel like I notice in myself like what my body needs. So I'm always curious t- with like particularly women who feel that penetrative masturbation is not it for them.
0: Yeah. It always feels like a foreign thing is in my body. Uh, okay. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Also, it. it I think when I masturbate, especially like yo quarantine, especially when you're masturbating <laughs> with, when I'm masturbating with somebody else, then I then I can do the penetration, but if I'm masturbating on my own, then, then I you won't. won't.
2: Okay, I get it. I get yeah.
0: it. I think the
2: the foreign aspect is why I love the one that I have that gets warm because it's like it feels like something mm. real potentially. I think it's all about like training your brain, but it's difficult.
0: Yeah. Okay. There's actually a question about advice. Seeing as we were talking about masturbating with other people. Um, advice on a good dating app i need good sex and someone to explore my body with i don't i don't really i mean for I'm now i just want to be like stay home <laughs> yeah exactly i'm
2: like this we don't just explore your own body and stay home exactly i i think um it's funny though because i had this conversation with some of my friends like a couple of weeks ago i was like all right guys so like it's quarantine is this the time to get on a dating app just purely for conversation like Maybe more people, maybe the pool's gonna get bigger because people are bored. Maybe more options are gonna come online. Like, is this a time to go on and see like who's out there and just have conversations? I know like I was on Bumble and they have like video, they encourage you to use like the video app, like when you're talking with someone. So they've added that. So I think like, you know, if if it's for you, there are ways to communicate and maybe just start up like a conversation that could potentially lead to something once quarantine's over. But I got on for like a couple weeks and I was just like, yeah, no, this mm -mm, is still just not (laughs) for me. But um, yeah, I think I I can't even recommend any dating apps. I don't know if you're on them. What are are the dating apps? They're the same in Kenya?
0: (laughs) So... I I feel like we're like twin flames. So I actually just recently got onto dating apps as well because of quarantine and because I thought that I would like, because my my biggest problem with dating apps is that um, I'm such an introvert. So being home is actually not the hardest thing for me. Uh, But the dating app scene is just like, it means that you have to go out and meet people and I don't like meeting people especially for the first time. <laughs> so, like, I thought that this is the perfect time for me to get on a dating app. Maybe I can meet somebody and maybe that could lead to something because it will only be conversation-based. And so... Yeah. <laughs> They're just not so, for me. Yeah, so I've been on Bumble as well. I, we don't have that video app. I don't know if it's just, like, a thing that is um, limited to location, like, based on where you are. But the Bumble that we have... Here, the bumble that I have in Kenya, we um, don't have a video like a co- component to it. It's just the same as the bumble that's always been. like
2: in the mes- Like when you match with someone and you're messaging with them, yeah. it says like it says like oh, start a video call. Oh, video I see chat. it.
1: Shit. So I see it. Yeah. Do you yeah. see it? Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's there. So I think that they're trying to you know encourage like don't leave your house yeah <laughs> but you can still yeah. chat and see the person but I, honestly if someone on this app that like I hadn't spoken with at a long time tried to video yeah. me I would just be like absolutely not like that would be the day that I was like
0: yeah. deleting okay. yeah
2: so I think it obviously has to be consensual course, that you're ready yeah. to see yes, of
0: course. I think even just in real life if anybody tries <laughs> yeah. to video chat me I'm just like yeah no nope you didn't ask for consent so oh, we're not gonna play that game for yeah. sure yes absolutely absolutely so I've been trying the four dating apps that I've been using over the last maybe it's been two weeks that I that I've been on dating apps and um bumble OK cupid okay cupid if you're um I find that there's a lot more same-sex um people like people who are more pansexual queer um and also just non-monogamous, so that's a thing that I'm also just like r- really clear about and, and need for my partners to know and also to be. I would like a partner who's either non-monogamous or who is in who is okay with their partners being or their partner being non-monogamous. Yeah. Um, so, OKCupid is good for that. Um, I haven't had many I- interactions there though, and I, I find it a little bit hard to navigate. Um, there is an app called Happen, which is H-A-P-P-N. And this app is actually better if you're out and about because it matches you with people that are in like a particular ra- radius. So people who are close to you and who have things in common with you. So it would say, oh, so-and-so is in your neighborhood and you guys could match or whatever. Um, and then Life, which is more like a... Um, people who are into fetishes and kink and BDSM type app but it's I don't think it works in Kenya so I haven't been able to get on I don't know if it belongs
2: to tender or if they just kind of riffed off the name but I know that Thrender exists if people want to look for like a third person to come into the relationship or maybe more polyamorous um type you know, ethical non-monogamous relationships. I think that's a place where, you know, that people who are on this app are open to inviting someone in or looking for, you know, a couple to participate with. Um, I haven't been on it. I dated a swinger. And um, so he was like, let's create a profile. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> but we did, we did. And we like talked to a couple couples on there and it just like, it, I don't know. It didn't go anywhere. But yeah, I, kn- I know that it does exist for sure. For sure.
0: I've um, I, I really enjoy dating couples I have in the past. Um, and I find that also Tinder is really good with with that because a lot of couples go on Tinder as couples looking for looking for singles. And so I actually met distance is a fucked up shit. I met a really beautiful couple that lives in Philly. And um, at the time, I was in Jersey, so I spent a lot of time between, like, Jersey and New York. And um, we kind of just talk a lot now. We're, <laughs> like, really good friends, but then we've always had, like, this dream to meet up and, and have, like, play sessions or whatever. But um, I one of the things that I put on my profile on Tinder is the unicorn sign, which, which means that I'm eager to play with couples or, you know, couples plus. So um, I enjoy being that person that that couples seek, but only specifically if it's um, if it's, it's it would be silly of me to say not fetishized because it's hard not to fetishize a threesome, but like people who are who are more poly than they are just looking for sex, yeah. Right. Did you ever meet up with them? No, we've on- we only ever Facetime. I mean, you can have FaceTime sex, but that's not If you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) FaceTime. Especially, and you know how... Let me tell you, the number of times that I've had FaceTime sex with couples, it's so hard when you're alone. It's it's so like, it's also just like really emotionally draining because when you're done and you hang up the phone, it's like you're alone and they're not. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I feel that way. I've never had... I mean, I have never had FaceTime sex (laughs) with a couple,
2: but I've had like FaceTime sex i guess with one person which is basically just like me masturbating with them like getting off and giving instructions which you know it's like it spices up the masturbation but yeah after you it's like it seems so like as soon as you hit the end button you're just like left you're just like spread out on your bed or wherever and you're just kind of like okay that that was that like i don't know it just seems so like (laughs) in the moment it's great but then as soon as it ends it just feels like I'm still unsatisfied right you're like trying to please know, yourself like, When you have exactly to please yourself you feel about. like this I like pressure me. to come and like t- for it to be extra wet and juicy to like show them and see a picture and I feel like there's like this performance aspects <laughs> uh, of it that just adds like a little bit more pressure yeah. as opposed to when you're just masturbating by yourself and can just like it is what it is like you get it done how you like and I don't know. There's there's definitely a performance aspect when you're FaceTiming with someone that Mm. you feel like you're like trying to get the right angle. It does it look good. Like sometimes those are things like as if you were on like a set or if you're shooting a porn or a video, you know, you always are trying to get the right angle. Yeah. For me, there's like a little bit more performance pressure added, which probably takes away just from like
0: getting off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that and i think the difference between us in that aspect is like i really enjoy that performance aspect of of um skype or facetime or whatever sex um because also because i i really do enjoy playing the role of a submissive in in a lot of my sexual interactions yeah, and me too. Um, it brings me so much pleasure to serve. Yes. And I think it's interesting too. I'm telling because, you twin flames. I mean And <laughs> and a lot of the time I really do enjoy like having interactions with people where I'm where they tell me what to do. Um entirely. So then I feel like I, I get into this like complete subspace where and the actually to be honest, the best thing about subspace is that it takes away every like everything else. It takes away everything else that's happening in the world and allows you to just serve whoever it is that's dominating you at that point and I, I found that um, I just had an experience just very recently and I found that in that moment like in that moment nothing else in the world mattered nothing like the world could be ending and literally I was just pleasing myself and pleasing somebody else in that moment and I really enjoy that I like that performance aspect of it because I'm serving somebody else and it brings me so much pleasure to serve in that sense. I think a lot of people
2: get confused about like being sub, especially because I assume the same for you. Like you're probably really dominant in your everyday life of like your business and your hustle. Like you probably are like, you know, I'm here, I'm about this business. But then sexually you turn on, you're like your sub and you love being, you know, told what to do. And I just, I think people don't understand that there's so much power in being a sub, right? Like it doesn't mean that it's a weakness or that you, you are like, you know, you you lack all sense of like power in this situation. Of like course. I think it, it's so powerful to be able to give over your power in that in that moment. Um, so I think that a lot of people confuse like being submissive with being like associating it with being weak, and I think it's it's completely the opposite, like you know that your subservientness is is ultimately bringing so much pleasure to your partner or partners
0: exactly um I actually just recently had this conversation with a couple of friends talking about um how powerful being a submissive is is because i'm allowing you i'm giving you the power to control me exactly. i am in charge yeah, that's and I'm giving is. the power to you so. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's, it's a it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, exactly. Because if I come if if you as a as a as a dom, if I come out of my subspace and I come out of that scene, then then that's you that's it's over for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've given you the power to completely take over the scene. So if I step out of the scene even just for like a second, then it's over for you. So 100%. the power is mine. The power is mine. Yes. Like me choosing
2: to be a sub like you said, whenever I'm finished with that, like then it totally affects who you are in that situation. Whereas, yes. like you know, it, it's not so clear when in the, the other way around. So, yeah, sub yeah, power to exactly. the subs. Like
0: we're yes. we're power running it.
2: We're running the shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, who runs the world? Subs. Who runs the world? <laughs> subs. Exactly. <laughs> we should
2: do. We should remake that that's so funny we really should now that we have the time to (laughs) basically
0: besides giving a guy blowjobs and handjobs what else can be done as foreplay to excite a guy besides handjobs or blowjobs um hmm i mean i like
2: a little i love i love doing like striptease or like dancing i like just or even like guided touch. If you like take their hand and kind of like rub it up your thigh, like close to your vagina, but like not quite on your vagina, just like really igniting the senses, exploring your body. Like I like touch, I like smell, scent. Um, yeah, I think kissing is an amazing way to foreplay um, sucking balls. I know that's kind of in the like um blowjob genre but um i yeah i'm really into touch and even just moments before of like sharing music or sharing about your day conversation eye contact i'm into all of that kind of foreplay of like the lead, the more like emotional intellectual foreplay i think is kind of what i'm into these days like before this quarantine, I had a, I had an ex-partner come over and we were just like on the sofa, just like not even touching, but just like listening to music, vibing out, like intense eye contact. And then he grabbed my hand and put it on his dick. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, and it just felt so natural. Mm-hmm. and So right after this, like buildup of like no other previous touch, but basically just like, just eye contact and, and like vibing over good music.
0: That story is hot. Like I'm a little turned on by that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Like I find that um, even like teasing, I guess, men is 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 a really nice way to sort of <laughs> foreplay. You know, sending them like partial nudes, just like figuring out how to take really good pictures of yourself to tease them is is a nice foreplay way. I think people need to also start disassociating foreplay with it happening when the sex is happening and that it can happen like throughout the day when you're not together and um, and in so many different ways um, because the brain is really is wired in so many different ways. It doesn't involve like, okay, so we're going to have sex and then now is when the foreplay begins, but it can begin. Yes. Way before and it can continue way after as well exactly
2: exactly it doesn't have to be right before sex and I think it's honestly more powerful for me at least when it's like a build because then when you finally do it it's just like oh my god like damn like these last days or hours that I didn't see you but have been thinking about it 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 makes it more more powerful in the moment when it actually does happen but it doesn't have to be like just right before sex like oh we're about to have sex guess I gotta touch your dick now
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um, I think because of time, we should do like one more question. Yeah, let's take one more question. Okay, so I'm 28 and have only orgasmed once. What's the issue? Do you want to start with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that, that question is, is very vague, but I have a very strong feeling that um, she is talking about partnered orgasms as opposed to self-orgasms and a lot of the time people are not aware of the fact that most women don't orgasm during penetrative sex and um it's just it's just so many things come into play uh um not allowing yourself to to be calm and to to be in the moment without thinking about all of the other things that are affecting your life um i feel like um Women are constantly thinking about like how they, also because of the way that we're fed with the media, um, how how I look or how I feel or is a person going to be attracted to me? Because like every month Cosmopolitan is saying 10 ways to make your sex life better. And, (laughs) And the images of the picture in the magazines are these skinny models that are white that you know there's just like all of the stuff that we're being fed by the media has is not relatable and makes us feel worse about ourselves before it makes us feel better so um, by the time women are getting into bed they're already carrying so much baggage and so it's really hard for them to relax into themselves to be able to allow themselves to feel the pleasure that they want um, with their partners so it's really hard to already, to enjoy sex already fully, but to have an orgasm on top of that. So a lot of the time I do tell people that um, if you stop thinking about sex as uh, something that ends with a goal, like an orgasm, if you think about it as just this beautiful thing, this exchanging thing that you're exchanging with a partner, you're sharing your vulnerabilities in your body and it involves touch and it, and, and there doesn't necessarily have to be an end to it, then you'll be surprised um like not thinking about coming and having the conversations with your partner where you discuss like like we don't we don't have to come let's just have sex or let's just um enjoy each other intimately without there being an end goal then i feel like sex in that way is by far a lot better how about you definitely yeah i think a lot
2: of people think that sex has to end in orgasm which you know as much as I pray that it does sometimes it doesn't happen that way (laughs) honestly though it (laughs) that hasn't really happened to me in a really long time like I think I've just mastered the skill of like being able to orgasm, not, I wouldn't say I can orgasm on command, but like, I think I've been able to kind of like maneuver my body in different situations with partners, especially during penetrative sex where I'm like, okay, I know which positions or like what I, I'm able to guide people into helping me reach orgasm. But um, yeah, I think that as soon as we let go of those, you know, those ideals that say that it has to end in orgasm and just taking off of that pressure. Like you said, like releasing all of the the junk that's in your brain, that's kind of stopping you. And, and at this point, if you have, if you've only had one during penetrative sex, it's probably what you're always thinking about every time you have sex. It's like, okay, when is the second one coming? So I think if you can just relax and allow yourself to be in the moment with that person and maybe, you know, um, I don't know, it's, it's tough because I think, you know, you want to communicate to your partner, that you know maybe that's something that you want to achieve but then it's like you don't want to put too much pressure on a person or you don't want that person always be asking like did you come are you closed like i don't know that kind of stuff is like mm. really not enjoyable to hear during sex so i think it's just gonna be something that you have to kind of if it's also during masturbation or solo play like taking more time to explore yourself and your body and if it's with a partner you know, I think just trying to relax and let go and maybe focus on like pleasing your partner and them pleasing you in other ways that just feel really great, but don't necessarily mean orgasm. And I think it will, it will come.
0: Something you said was really interesting. And, um, a lot of people don't do this is, is telling their partners how they want to be pleased. So, um, the reason that you're able to come, um, uh, Whenever you you want is because you're able to tell your partner what to do in order to make you come, and I think that a lot of people are having sex without having without communication attached to it. So nobody is telling there, but also because again the media has shown us like all the movies we watch is that people fuck and then the, and then they people come at the same time, which is not how real life sex happens. You have to tell your partner what you want, and the only way that you can do that is by explaining... Experimenting on your body and trying to figure out the things that you like that way, you can tell your partner, "This is how I want to be touched. This is what's going to make me come." So figure that shit out for yourself. Yeah. Um, and if you're struggling <laughs> with self, then um, I d- definitely right. do think that um, that getting a vibrator is is might be an important part of sexuality as well for women. For sure, and I think, like you said honestly,
2: it's happened so rarely that I've come at the same time as a partner. And I feel like you see that in movies all the time they're, or in porn, like, are you coming? I'm about to come. Are you about to come? I'm about to come. And like, yeah. I'm just like, that is so unrealistic to me personally. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before and I'm sure other people maybe have experienced it, but it's, it's just like, like you said, all of these ideas, all of the media influence and Cosmo, you know, reading that, I remember as a teen, like just, you know, really being like, you know, obsessed with whatever Cosmo said was like the Bible, the sex Bible. And it's just like reading it now, you're just like, what the hell is this jargon? Like, it's not real. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I, um, someone at one of my events, um, brought up this concept and I've kind of just like been going with it of glows and grows. And she was saying like, it's a really great way after sex or like Before sex, if you've been having sex with the same person multiple times, like like, saying, "like okay, what were the glows?" Like, oh, the glows were like, "I love when you you fingered me, and then you know you flip me over, and you know whatever." And then you could say the grows were like, "oh, but maybe next time, like I feel like we need to do more like foreplay before sex, It's just like a kind of like a really like casual." Like conversation after sex or before sex about things that worked, things that didn't work, what you want to kind of improve on, and it's just mm. like a way to kind of introduce like this dialogue that doesn't feel so much of like, well, I didn't come, so next okay. time you need to do this. Like, just easy ways to kind of introduce like dialogue into sex because it's so important, especially if you're not being satisfied, and I think like if you're, I think there are definitely like special moments where, I don't know if you've ever just had sex with someone Mm. and it just clicked. Like you never had to really discuss like anything that was like not Mm. going right. It's just like your energies were just so in sync. And I think if you get that, that's so rare and it's so beautiful. But a lot of the times I think you do have to put in some work. Yeah.
0: I had an (laughs) ex-boyfriend and I feel so sad because we had the best sex. And we were one of those couples that, well, we weren't even a couple. We were a thruple. But (laughs) he and I had, um, like, the chemistry that he and I had was so powerful. And um, we always, first of all, we always wanted each other. Always. Like, all the fucking time. And then we always came at the same time. And sometimes, like, our sex wouldn't even last, like, six minutes. It was just, like, as soon as we were in each other's arms, it was just, like, unfortunately with that relationship that was all we had <laughs> so obviously <laughs> yeah didn't work out <laughs> I've been there oh my gosh
2: yeah I've been there when it's like all the sex is really the only thing but I think it either ends did it end because one person developed feelings
0: no we were in a relationship we were in an we were dating we were so um that was one of the like um one of my polyamorous relationships where i dated this married couple i so, see okay are they still um, married many complicated things obviously no unfortunately. yeah unfortunately oh damn that didn't work out but um but it was you messed it something up something while it lasted. <laughs> no, if i kidding. went and fuck shit up <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just had to throw yourself in there and fuck it up <laughs>
1: yeah no yeah i'm sure it was for an array of complicated
0: reasons (laughs) absolutely but i mean just like um having having that with somebody else is 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 so rare because i've never had it before and i haven't had it after as well so i feel you i had a relationship like that recently with someone who
2: like the sex was so good but it like nothing else Mm -hmm. was right and we didn't we weren't dating it was purely sexual but like even when he would come over I would go over there in my mind I was just kind of always like okay like do we have to do this whole like fake pretend conversation thing like I just really want to have sex and like get out of here and so after a while I was just like this sex it's it's amazing but it's just not even worth like the pretend (laughs) connection vibe thing. Like, I think that's so important to me now at this point in life. It's like, I need to just have like a genuine connection with that person that like good dick is just good dick at this point. Like it just, it doesn't outweigh the actual like intellectual and emotional support that I need from a person, even if it's casual, even it doesn't mean we have to be in a relationship, but like I need those other areas to also be fulfilled. And it just wasn't there in the situation. So when I decided to like, end things he was so confused, like, well, I don't understand. Like, what is it? Like, are you not satisfied? I was like, no, like I'm completely sexually satisfied, but like for whatever reason, there's just like nothing else and I just need more. But I he, like, I don't know, he had such a difficult time kind of wrapping his head around that concept. So mm. it was interesting and sad I had to let that one go. He had, yeah, he had a really big dick, so I was sad about that, but it just wasn't I see it. big dick as your it. thing. I love big dicks. Oh my gosh, I really do. And I feel so... Whenever I find one, I'm just like,
1: yes. <laughs>
2: <It> may- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you God. Thank you God. Yes, but I mean, am I gonna like <laughs> not have sex with you if you don't have a big dick? Like, no. But I just hope that you can, you know, make up for it in other ways. So, so yes, size is not a thing for you. But I'm always happy. It's, I mean, listen. I don't want to be a sizest, but I, I think I am, but it's like, if it's like your first time having sex with someone and they pull out their dick and it's not big, I'm not going to be like, um, actually no, but I, (laughs) but am I wishing and hoping before this happens? Am I like imagining being like, oh. I I hope they have a big dick. Do they have a big dick? Let me look at their hands. Let me like all of the like typical, like wrong, 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 wrong thoughts and stereotypes. (laughs) Those are things that go through my mind before having sex with a person for the first time. But yeah, no, I'm not going to like say no if it's not the size that I was hoping. But um, sometimes I do when I'm having sex with someone or dating someone. I'm just like. Is this my husband? And I'm like, oh, but I need my husband's dick to be XYZ. So maybe not. <laughs> like, I don't know. Those are all like really strange thoughts that go through my mind. So I probably I am so a low key like sizist. But um, you know, sometimes times are tough and you just gotta get what you, you just gotta accept what you get. I don't know. Yeah, well, what you about get. you? Are you?
0: When I do sleep with men, um I I it's a tough one I don't even think I've ever like admitted this but I think I am a sizist but I don't like very big dicks I am also a masochist so I do enjoy the pain of big dicks but (laughs) but I don't generally like I, I would rather that it was more of an average size um I think that if you're smaller then it's it's okay and um sure if you can you see the thing is if I'm having sex with a man there's a there's a certain way in which I want to be pleased so (laughs) smaller dicked men (laughs) ideally shouldn't matter but then you're not giving me what I came here for and what I came here for was like a certain feeling that I want when there's penetration but um I don't know I don't know does that make sense yeah of course it makes sense I I've had that like
2: when I was sleeping with this same person who has a really big dick I like he basically went so deep that it like bruised my cervix and so it was just like so painful like after that like it was just so painful and like i had to research it because i was just like wait what just happened to me like after he had like bruised it like he kept trying to and i was like whoa like we have to stop like something is seriously like not right here it's like really painful um so i think it was maybe just like the angle or like something about it in that moment like it had bruised my cervix so i was out of commission for a good like few days or weeks like i don't know so i mean i guess there are (laughs) not all big dicks are good big dicks but um um so maybe we shouldn't be so greedy about sizeism after all <laughs> i don't know <laughs> this is the lesson
0: it, yeah that's the lesson basically like be careful what you ask for <laughs> oh but you know funny story um i went on a Tinder date um, with this guy who ended up being really nice and kind and sweet that i decided that i was going to sleep with him and then i did or I don't, this is the thing, I don't remember if I actually had sex with him, because his dick was small, and I remember that we got a hotel room, and I remember that there was other forms of play that were involved, but I can't remember penetration, so the other day, I was thinking about him, and I was just like, fuck, did we fuck? I can't remember, so I texted my cousin, because I was staying with my cousin at the time, and I was just like, when I, did I, did I tell you that we fucked? Because I can't remember if I fucked him. <laughs> like, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah,
2: remember. Yeah. yeah. I, I've i been there. I've had those small dicks where you're like, in the moment, you're having foreplay, and then, you know, they start thrusting, and you're like, oh, are you inside? Um, Is this... Like, I just, like, really, like, could not tell the difference between, like, a finger and a dick, and I was just like, okay, well... I'm just going to assume yeah. that this motion indicates that they are inside, <laughs> but I cannot, Aww. but I can't distinguish. Yeah, I've been there. I've really been there. And those are the people that I don't count on my list. If I were to oh, count a body, yeah, I count heard you list, talking about those that. Those people don't.
0: <laughs> oh, that's
2: like, I hope they're those not listening the ones to the that podcast. Don't make it. <laughs> I hope not. I, I you know. I haven't named any names, so I think that, <laughs> that it's, uh, you know, they won't know. <laughs> Yay, this has been so amazing. Yes, it has been amazing. I'm so glad that we finally got to do this. And I hope after uh, this whole quarantine thing is over. I know you said you're not probably coming to the U.S. for a while, but Kenya has been on my list. So I'm still trying to get to the continent later this year. if If all things are aligned, inshallah, so we shall see. Yeah. Yay. Is there anything you want to add? Um. Yeah, I think I would just add like, I know that this is a really intense time, wild time, but I think if anything, focus on yourself, focus on your pleasure, on your mental, on your physical. Um, Now's the time to explore your body and other intimate parts of yourself that maybe you don't have access to when, when you're out in the world and with a lot of people. So if you can and you're healthy and your family's healthy, you know, just try to treat yourself with the best love and care that you can in this in this moment.
0: Yeah. What she said. Word.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks, Kaz. I think we should do
0: we should do more episodes. <laughs> Thank you so in much. In the future. Panda. For sure. Yes, I'm down. Absolutely. Thanks. OK, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. Absolutely loving and digging this space. And please hit me up if we should start a podcast club it's similar to a book club where we pick a podcast or a podcast episode and we join together and decide if it's something that we need to delve into have more conversations about it i'm very keen on doing this it's something like we could link up weekly um obviously there will be no fee associated with it it's just coming together like-minded people coming together to discuss these wonderful things and until next week goodbye
1: Cause I know I'm not gonna run around looking for something that's right in front of me. Right in front of me Looking for something that's right in front of me. Yeah, I wanna tell you things that I to share my secrets with you because with you I have no fear because my soul is ready and my heart is vacant. I want you to be with me every step I'm taking because I know